Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Well, thank you so much for today, God. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're speaking. I thank you for what you are stirring. I like that, Lord, stirring in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. As I was just praying that really quick prayer, I really felt that stirring in our hearts. I want you to keep that in mind that God is that that's he's in the business of stirring hearts. Amen. You know, like Kelsey said, um, yeah, this is Valentine's season, Valentine's season. You know, all the roses, all the hearts, all the man, I could tell you a story about some roses. We won't get into it. But if you have uh, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Second Corinthians, chapter three, verses 17 and 18. Spoiler, shocker alert. It seems like we're we're always making our foundation in that, but it's a good one to make our foundation. And out of that, we'll we'll hop into First John four, verses eight and ten, and then into Hebrews twelve, and then to into First Corinthians, because of course you can't talk about love without talking about the love chapter. You know, if you if you know anything about the Bible, First Corinthians chapter thirteen, it's the self entitled love chapter. No, I love you. I love you. I love you, love you, love you, love you. Look at somebody near you say, I love you. There you go. You said it so passionate, too. You didn't be like, you were like, you know, our kids. I love you. Love you, daddy. Love you, daddy. And you know what? I get it because when I was a kid, I used to do the same thing to mom and dad. You know, mom be like, I love you. You know, y'all been around my mom. Sometimes she gets on a on a hugging saga or a love you saga or, you know, just, you know, 20 some years later, here I am just, Keenan. I love you. Kenan, I love you. And Keith is now to the point, ah, you already said that. And, I, and one time I said, and I will never stop saying it. And he don't get that. When he gets, you know, 20 years from now, he'll, he'll understand, maybe 30 years from now, he'll understand that his daddy will never stop saying that. His mother will never stop saying that. We will never. That's the way our hearts feel. Our hearts will never stop saying that. And then the same goes for Papa. His heart is, uh, what, what is it? There's a song that says literally, um, his heart won't stop running after you. His heart won't stop running after you. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17 and 18. We're going to start in the Passion Translation. Um, yeah. <clears throat> verse 17, Paul says this. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. And then verse 18, watch this. This is really good. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil. We all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured. Somebody say transfigured. Transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Amen. So if you if you look that word where it says we are being transfigured, if that word seems familiar, if you've ever read the Gospels, any of the Gospels, you know, there's the account where Jesus and a few disciples, they go up to the mountain and he is transfigured into the glory of God, where literally his countenance changes. He the the, the disciples described him as glowing and, and bright and they heard the voice of the father. Um, you know, that's that that same thing is what Paul is talking about here. We are being transfigured. Am I saying that you're going to begin to glow and, and turn white? No, I'm not saying that. But the same literal transformation, the actual Greek word in that in this context is the word metamorpho. And metamorpho is where we get metamorphosis. So literally you are being transformed. Somebody say transformed. 
You are being transformed or transfigured into the very image of Jesus. Does that mean that you are going to be changed into a physical image of Jesus? Does that mean you're going to grow long hair and have a beard? No. Physically, Paul is not talking about you physically transforming into the image of Jesus. He is talking about our, he's talking about that our character is being transformed to match the same character as Christ. Your thoughts are being renewed to think the same way that Jesus thought. Well, how did Jesus think? Well, I'll give you an example. First John chapter four, verse eight. John says this. He says, the one who doesn't love has yet to know God for God is love. We'll say that again. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God for God is love. So let me say it best this way. God is love. Love is who God is. Love and God are inseparable. You can't have God without love. Watch this. You can't have love without God. They are inseparable. Amen. It's like water and wetness. Water can't be, uh, you know, they're inseparable. If you touch water, your hand is going to get wet. If you are going to walk in love, you have to be experiencing perfect love. I'm going to say this. I fully believe. I fully believe that you cannot love until you are experiencing perfect love. I'll say that again because it's. It sets you up for some things. But I fully believe that you cannot love. You can't love your neighbor. You can't love your children. You can't love your coworkers. You can't love your parents. You can't love uh, significant others. I fully believe you cannot love until you are, unless you are experiencing perfect love. And the reason I say uh, experiencing, I-N-G, instead of uh, experience, because Jesus is not meant to be a one-and-done moment. He's not meant to be a one and done encounter every Sunday, but he's meant to be daily. You were created for worship daily, like the song says. You did not create me for worry. At the end of it, there's, there's the, you created me for worship daily. Daily. He, he, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they desire that fellowship on the daily. Amen? How, how, great, how, how good would a relationship be between you and your best friend or you as a significant other or, or you of anybody if you're just talking to them once, you know, uh, once a week or once a month or once a day? It, it, don't, it don't really work that good. So if an earthly relationship isn't meant to be uh, weekly or yearly, annually, then why would we think that, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I, I pressed my face against Papa on Sunday morning, man. We was getting to sing about communion. Yeah, this is the place. All right, well, the, play, the place closes at 12. All right, so now we're going to go do the rest of what I got to do the rest of the week. And then it open back up Sunday morning. We'll be back. This is the place where dead things come. Oh, I feel it. Oh, oh lunchtime. All right, time, time to close up shop. That's not the type of relationship that the Father wants, amen? amen? Perfect love. You cannot love unless you are experiencing perfect love. Somebody say perfect love. Perfect love. Say, I love this, and I, and, I, and I pray I don't get too excited over this. But perfect love, perfect love, you know what perfect love is? Before you can know what perfect love is, I got to tell you what perfect love ain't. Perfect love is not the bachelor or the bachelorette. Oh, it's not. Perfect love is not giving a rose as a placeholder to hold to hold a person in line until next week. Wait, if you just wait, girl, that, I, I just want to be honest. I just want to be honest. I want to find the person that created the whole idea of the bachelor, bachelor, and be like, bro, you know this don't exist in the real world. You go to, you go to a nice person uh, that you're interested in, like, man, I'm really interested. Hold on, though. Because Kathy is on the other hallway. I got to, I want to, I want to go talk to, just take this, take this flower. I'll be back. I'll be back. She, she, Cynthia ain't going to leave, ain't going to tell that. She's going to bump your rose. She's going to step on it. 
I'm gonna go find Jerome. Like, come on, like it, it don't work like that. It don't. <laughs> It don't, but millions and millions. I mean, there's podcasts about this show. Like, people just, ah, just eat it up. They gobble it up like it's turkey on Thanksgiving. I don't get it because it don't work. It don't work. It never has worked. It never will work. <laughs> it, might work out in, it might work out in Utah, but we ain't going to get into Utah, okay? I'm just going to say that right there. Pray, pray, Lord, pray for Utah. All right, everybody pray for Utah. But perfect love, it's not the bachelor, bachelor, it's not giving a rose or as a placeholder. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a sleeping beauty or a Disney uh, Prince Charming version of who you think you're interested in. Perfect love is not hippie flowers. I heard my pastor, my pastor used to say this all the time. Perfect love is not hips, lips, and fingertips. It's not tight, right, and keep it on. I mean, it's, it's not, no, perfect love. You know what, and I can keep going, but you know what perfect love really is? Perfect, it's, it's, perfect love, it doesn't resemble a rose. Perfect love resembles a crown of thorns. See, perfect love is not, it's not pretty clean and pink. Perfect love is bloody. Perfect, in, in fact, one translation says the perfect love to walk in love is to, is to walk in long suffering, or better yet, suffer well. Perfect love looks like suffering well. Somebody say suffering well. So you, if you want to love somebody, you got to suffer well. You, and you know, what's so, you know what's so funny? When you go to a wedding, you don't hear in the wedding vows when they, you know, all right, now it's time for the vows. Honey, I vow to suffer well with you. Nope, nobody says those things. We get all cute. Honey, I, I vow to fold your laundry when you can't fold it. I vow to make you a cup of coffee when you need it. I vow, you know, we're going to be together. We're going to ride or fly. You know, me and you. Nobody says, I vow to suffer well. I vow to stay up all night when you're in the ER praying on your behalf. I vow to stay, I, I vow to stay, to stay by your side even when we have no money. I, I vow to suffer. Nobody says that would suffer well. But let me tell you, perfect love is suffering well. Perfect love doesn't resemble flowers. Perfect love doesn't resemble a TV show. Perfect love doesn't resemble a Disney movie. Perfect love resembles a crown of thorns. And guess what? A crown of thorns is sharp. There's nothing dull about a crown of thorns. It's prickly. It's inconvenient. It's inconsistent. Some points may hurt. Some points may not. And then it may reverse. Perfect love resembles uh, blood, sweat, and tear. Perfect love resembles suffering well. Perfect love resembles patience. Amen? Amen. Perfect love, it's not clean. It is bloody. And when's the last time that you heard somebody say, well, you better yet, when's the last time when you promised to love somebody, you said, hey, I promise to suffer well with you. Now, and I want you to think about it. Next time you get ready to tell somebody, that, I mean, I love you. I want you to think about that. If you're willing to tell them you're, you'll suffer well with them, then guess what? You can tell them you'll love them. But if you ain't willing to suffer well with them, mm-mm. Well, Lindsay, me, me, we're just friends. Oh, Jesus said love your neighbor just the way you love Jesus. So that means my best friend. That means the ones I call, I'm just talking about myself, the ones I call my best friend, I got to, next time I talk to him, I got to say, hey, brother, I vow to suffer well with you. Whatever you're enduring, I vow to not leave by your side and stick with you. That means in my marriage, I have to say, hey, Kels, 
I vowed to suffer well. If you ain't got, if you don't feel like putting the makeup, and she already knows this, so don't, don't think it's a shock. If you don't want to put the makeup on, guess what? I, I still going to kiss you and hug you and love you and look at you as the most beautiful thing. And I do. She know it. In the very beginning, I told you, you ain't got to do that. If you want to do it, you ain't got to do it. Girl, you look good just like the way you are. You got me. You got me. What? Man, what's the makeup for? Makeup for all of y'all ain't for me. We good. But are you, have you vowed to suffer well? Watch this. If you say, Jesus, I love you. Ooh. Stepping on the toes. Of, Jesus, I, okay, Lord, I vow to suffer well with you. And, go, and watch this. Jesus isn't suffering. So therefore, what it, when it feels like you are suffering in life, because you say, Jesus, I love you, you're saying, okay, Lord, it feels like I'm suffering right now, but I vow to stay with you. I vow not to pursue another solution. I vow not to pursue another God. I vow not to put strength in what I can bring to the table. I vow not to think that you have left me and forsaken me. I vow to put my faith in your promises. I vow to trust and know that you, you, uh, you bore and shed your blood on the cross for me. Therefore, it is finished and everything that is going on around me, it is surrounded by you. I vow to suffer well with you. But see, come Tuesday... You ain't going to see no, you know, diamond ring commercials. Put this, you know, when the, when the man puts it down, hey, baby, we're going to suffer well. Here's this, you know, every kiss begins with suffering. You know, you, know that, you don't see that. <laughs> you, you ain't going to see that come Tuesday. You ain't going to see out back in Texas Roadhouse, you know, do commercials. Hey, all the suffer wellers come out and eat with us. You ain't going to see that because nobody want to do that. <laughs> we will suffer well on that line. As much as we joke, you know, part of us, even, you know, part of you could be like, well, Lindsay, that's, come on, that's, that's not what love really looks like. No, it is. Scuba, scuba, and I can prove it. Verse 10 in, in 1 John chapter 4. Let's skip down to verse 10. says this, John says, this is real love. I love that. The fact that he says this is real love means that every other definition of love is false. If you're saying this, this, this right here, you ever been to a restaurant before? And oh, this right, this restaurant right here. Yeah, you, know, you hear your favorite song, you're like, man, this song right here. You know, this you get you get in a you get in a good, comfortable chair. I remember when I was in college, I used to have this one recliner. It's it's in the storage unit. Why? Because we didn't get rid of it, because that's the recliner. That's the that's that's my standard for all recliners. That chair right there. Why? Because it's the chair. Don't. Uh, that's like fine. It, 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 it's like fine wine. It just keeps getting better. I went to the storage unit a couple weeks ago or whatever for something. I sat right in it. I almost didn't get out, y'all. <laughs> I almost didn't get out. It still reclined back. I pulled my phone out. I had Wi-Fi. I had signal. So if y'all need, anybody need me, they could have contacted me. But John said, this is real love, meaning everything outside of what he's about to tell you is false and does not compare. So pay attention. He says, this is real love. What's real love? This is real love. Real love, not that we loved God. So real love isn't what, isn't what you bring to the table. What? The fact that he said, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take our sins away. Real love looks like the atonement of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It's a, it's a bit theological word, but real love looks like the atonement of Jesus. And all atonement is, is just Jesus bringing mankind at one mint again. 
atonement, at one mint. All atonement is, is Jesus bringing you one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by absorbing the sins of all humanity at the cross and then accrediting to us righteousness. Well, he did it at the cross. He brought, he, brought, he brought you back at one again, unified with him. Hebrews chapter 12, too, watch this. It says this in the Passion Translation. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation on to Jesus who birthed faith within us. Faith is in you. Faith is in you. That's why the devil likes to get you to question yourself. That's why the devil likes to get you to second guess yourself. Why? Because there's faith in you. Faith is within you. Faith within us and who leads us forward into faith, perfe- uh, faith perfection. Excuse me. His example is this. Here's what I want to get to. Watch this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Woo. Can I say that again? Yeah, let you just say it again. All right. Because his heart, because Jesus' heart, Jesus on the cross. Now, uh, you ever stubbed your toe? You ever, you, ever, you, ever, you ever fell down a flight of steps? You ever slipped on some patch of ice? You, ever, you know, you ever, uh, you ever accidentally walked into a door? Or something? I mean, I'm trying to think of things that hurt. You know, you ever, you ever did these things you ain't thinking about? Oh, the advancement of the kingdom of God. You ain't thinking that. You, you trip and fall. You ain't thinking, oh, I can't wait for the church to grow. You thinking, how? This hurts. You trying to think of every other replacement word to replace the word that you want to say. <laughs> and in the middle of Jesus' most agonizing thing in his human life, it says, because of his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Meaning he was focused on you at the cross. Watch this. Because he was focused on you on the cross, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Because of the joy of you. We said it before, but joy is unending satisfaction. Unending satisfaction. So watch this. Perfect love was satisfied with making us one with him again. So he endured the most painful, agonizing portion of his human life. Because he was so satisfied with you. Therefore, when we are walking in the love of God, we can endure the most agonizing, painful moments of our life. Lindsay, why is that? So because Jesus did it. And if we're walking in love, that means we're walking in perfect love. We're walking in Jesus. He is in us and he is strengthening you. He is fueling you to endure, or better yet, what my pastor said, to outlive the most painful moments of your life. Not to wish it away or not to, to wipe it away or sweep it. No, to walk through it. To get to the other side of the most painful moments of your life. That's, this is what love truly looks like. Jesus gives us the power to walk through the most painful moments of our life. Why? Because he did it on the cross. He endured it. Why? Because he had unending satisfaction. And he gives us that same unending satisfaction. See, the world has taught us that love is a verb. Well, my favorite Christian songs literally says love is a verb. But the world's taught us that love is a verb. It's taught us that it's something that you do out of your own strength. The world has taught us that love is something that you do. You got you to gotta, you gotta love. You got to begin the kisses with K. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> the world has taught us that love is something that you do. But if, if I'm being fully honest... 
You are not strong enough to love on your own. You are not, there, there's no amount of strength that you possess in your body to love, to fully love the way you need to be loving. Listen, the juice that you need in order to walk in love, a.k.a. walk in Christ, it doesn't come by doing, but it comes by beholding. There's that word again. It comes by gazing. Well, I'm supposed to walk in the love of God. Okay, well, yeah, you, you try to walk in the love of God through your own strength. It's impossible to do. It's impossible to do in your own strength, in your own strength. I'm going to say that again, in your own strength. See, walking in the love of God, it comes by gazing upon Jesus and the Holy Spirit renewing your understanding, renewing your thoughts of what love truly looks like. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> because, see, if we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds to what love truly looks like, we'll see. Because in First Corinthians chapter 13, we finally got here, the love chapter. It's known, it's known as the self-entitled love chapter. But I'm, if I'm keeping it honest, I am keeping it honest. I'm, I'm keeping a buck. I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm going to give you a buck, young fella. When it comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, I cannot do 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I cannot do it out of my own strength. I know, there, I know there's more holier Christians that be like, oh, brother, we have it. We mastered it in 30 seconds. Well, good for you, but for this guy. I can't fully do it out of my own strength. Well, is it, it ain't that hard. Oh, okay, let's look at it. First Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Verses 4 says, love is large and incredibly patient. Right out the bat, Paul kicking us in the gut. Love, somebody say love. Love, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Oh, it gets better, y'all. Verse 5, love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quit to take offense. Not me. Verse 6, love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Man. Verse 7, love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. If you're like me, sometimes reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I remember one time my grandpa sat me down. There was, there was a thing that happened in the family. And my grandpa, this was years ago, back in 2014. And my grandpa, like, last one of, one of the times I come over to the house for something, and uh, he was like, he's like, no, Bubba. Have you read 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. Love is God's like, I know, Grandpa. I know. I know. I know. But he went through the whole thing. But when I, uh, you know, that's one of the mental memories I have of 1 Corinthians 13. But also, if you're like me, it's easy to put our own strength, try to try to mix in our own strength and that be like, Oh, man, love is large and patient, meaning love is incredibly patient in difficult times. Okay, I guess I got to do that. How do, how I, love is gentle and consistent. I don't know how to be gentle and consistent because instantly we put ourselves in the equation as if we're the ones that has to conjure it up. You don't have to conjure this up. There's never any clause in the beginning or middle or the end of this chapter where Paul says, pay attention because you need to do this yourself. Pay attention because you got to activate it. 
seeing, you know, seeing chapter 13 for me, it's a little defeated. It's a little defeating or deflating because guess what? I get irritated. Listen, I'm the guy that does not like his food to touch on his plate. Y'all pray for Kelsey. I get irritated over super small details. I don't like my food to touch. I don't like certain things. I, you know, I don't like certain smells. I can, it's, it's weird. I have allergies and I feel like my nose is stopped up all the time. But when smells are distinct, I know them and I smell them and I can trace them. I'm like, hey, Cohen, I think you did something. Like, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Or he's about to. It's coming. Boys, you brush your teeth. Yeah, I, I know. I know. All right, let's go. Let's go. What's that smell? Oh, there's something. Let's, you hear that? You hear, I, 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 I get obsessed with details. I'm not, I'm not the most pleasant person to be around in the morning sometimes, or I'm not the most pleasant person to be around when I'm stressed. So when I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and it says love doesn't get irritated, I'm like, how, God? How, Sway? Like, Jesus, are you sure? Because you are human too. I mean, like, well, really, love is joy. It celebrates the honesty of other. It celebrates others. So you mean to tell me, Jesus, if somebody else wins $6 million, I'm supposed to be like, oh, yeah. oh good job. Lord, how am I supposed to do that? You know, because we all have that what if, you know. We, we had the what if long before Marvel came up with the what if. We had that what if, you know, what if I won the lotto? You know, I, I give my tithing offering to the Lord and I, you know, I take care of Juju and Junebug and, you know, da, da, da. And, and uh, then you ain't going to see me anymore, you know. But that's not love. Because love says if that happens for somebody else, we're to celebrate it. Not get jealous or not get envious. But, you know, I, when I read this, I didn't, I didn't think about this until the other day. But why would Paul talk about what love is? Because he chose to never marry and to never be in a relationship. So how can somebody that's never married, that was never married, that chose not to be, it's not like he didn't have, I, no, he chose. The Bible said he, I chose to be single, which means if you're a guy, you're like, oh, so you had options, Paul. All right, Paul. But he's like, no, I choose to be single. I choose to live. So the fact that he's choosing singleness and still giving us uh, uh, this blueprint of love, like something doesn't add up. It, it, it would be like a prisoner writing a self-help book. Like, uh, I don't know about that. You know, in, in my mind, I, I ain't going to say, I thought of an actual celebrity, but I won't do it because that's, you know, I ain't going to name drop. But it, it'd be like, you know, or it'd be like, a, hey, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. It'd be like one of the Kardashians writing a, like a, writing a DIY book, How to Get Rich. Like, huh? You sure about that? Pretty sure you start off this way. You sure about that? Or it'd be like one of the Kardashians talking about, you know, uh, uh, how, it'd be like one of the Kardashians talking about the life of poverty. I'm like, you sure about that? Are you sure? Because your version of poor, I'll take all day. Take all day. It'd be like O.J. Simpson writing a self-help book. It'd be like... Pretty sure that's going to work for you. You know, me and my family, we always talk about how, you know, if you ever watch sports, um, you know, when certain players, they don't get what they've asked for in the contracts, they'll sit out. And I'm like, I'll take I'll take what they're giving you. You know, um, you know, one of the players, he recently did a trade and, you know, he said he didn't feel appreciated. You know, they didn't want to renew his, you know, 60 million dollar contract. They just want to keep it, you know, down to 20 million. I'm like, what? <laughs> I feel appreciated with 20. <laughs> I feel more than appreciated. I feel appreciated with two. Like, you know, that's 20 more than I ever had. But they want you to they want you to go to the bitch. Oh, I said, I'll go. 
But, you know, the fact that Paul is, is telling us what love looks like. Oh, I've set you up good, too. The fact that Paul is telling us what love looks like and he chose to be single, which uh, why, why would he do that? Maybe because when he wrote it, when he penned it, when the Lord inspired him to pen chapter 13, he wasn't penning it for us to have this blueprint of how marriage is supposed to be. He wasn't uh, given the, the, the contents of earthly marriage. What the reason Paul literally talked about love is this and love is that. Why? Because he wasn't talking about love, the verb. He was talking about love, the noun. He was talking about love being the noun, the perfect love. And guess what? Perfect love has a name. You know what his name is? His name is Jesus. So when Paul said, hey, perfect love, when he said love is gentle, he wasn't just talking about the love, the verb of you giving a rose to somebody. No, he was saying Jesus in verse four, Jesus is large and incredibly patient in difficult times. He was saying Jesus is gentle and consistently kind. Jesus refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Jesus does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate his own own importance. First off, Jesus does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Jesus doesn't get selfish. Jesus is not easily irritated or quit to take offense. Jesus joyfully celebrates others. When Paul was talking about Jesus, or when Paul was talking about perfect love is this, perfect love is patient, perfect love is kind, he was saying, hey, not what you do, not out of your own strength can you be this way, but Jesus is this way for you. And guess what? At 17, 28, we live, we move, we have our being. So therefore, if we're in him and he is this way, then guess what? Because you are in him, you have the strength to be patient and kind. You have the strength to be gentle. You have the strength to puff up everybody else and celebrate everybody else when they are blessed and you're not blessed. You have the strength to endure all things, to love all things, to be kind in all things, to be kind in all people. You have the strength to have patience. You have the strength to have, the, uh, to have empathy. You have the strength. Why? Because he is in you and you are in him. That is the equation of perfect love. Jesus being in you, loving through you loving through you that's that that's that's the whole goal of love not how much do you love somebody but how much do you allow the love of God through you to love somebody you know we can all think about that one co-worker that you're like oh God you have to show me how to love you how to love them and God's like I don't just want to show you how to love that I want to show you how to love everybody I, through you, I want to show you how to be kind to everybody. Through you, I want to show you how to be. And verse 7 literally says, Jesus is a safe place of shelter. Jesus, I, I, I like it. When I think about that verse, I think about it in Psalms 23. And Jesus is the green pastures that we lie down and he restores our soul. That's Jesus through us. Jesus never, you know, Paul said, love never stops believing the best for others. Jesus never stops believing the best for others. Marvin Sapp said it best, you know, that he sees the best in you. He sees the best in you whenever. It doesn't matter if anybody else co-signs on, on the goodness that's going on in your life. He sees the best in you. He always has. Jesus never takes failure as defeat. He never, never, never gives up. He never gives up. And because in Jesus we live, in him we move, in him we have our entire existence. Everything Paul mentioned in chapter 13, Jesus, a.k.a. perfect love, does through us. He does through us. So when you look at chapter 13 as you study, I encourage you, come Tuesday. When you wake up and you see the first Valentine's commercial, every kiss begins again. Think about two things. One, think about, okay, time to suffer well. They ain't talking about the suffer well. They're hypocrites. 
But also think about, okay, I'm going to pull out chapter 13 and I'm going to look and see what Jesus is doing within me. And here's the checklist, y'all. If, if you're not seeing him do it within you, okay, Lord, am, am I hindering this? Is there something that I'm doing that's blocking this? Is there a mindset that I have that's, 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 that's ultimately, you know, blocking the flow of you trying to love through me? And that's where the renewal of your thoughts come into play. You know, last night, I'm going to give you an example because I'm talking about Jesus doing these different things. And last night, I'm trying to print out uh, the sermon, and there was something in front of the, uh, the printer, so it was blocking it. So all the papers got jammed and all the, you know, and all the other stuff or whatever. So, you know, I had to reset the printer. And as I'm resetting the printer, it prints out this page, this page right here, this page, a bunch of just little squiggly lines. And when it printed out, I'm like, what in the world? It's like, God, like, ah, the printer's broken. Like, oh, my God. I'm thinking this. I'm not saying it out loud. I'm not saying it out loud, but I'm thinking it. God's still working on me because there was a time in my life. I would have said all this out loud, but now it's just in me. And eventually there will come a time where it will just, but until we've got there, until I, I've gotten to swiping all those thoughts, it's still in me. I'm just like, ah, Lord, how am I supposed to fix this printer? I mean, I'm I'm hot. Kelsey's upstairs blow drying her hair. She's hot because the blow dry, but I'm hotter than her because I'm upset. <laughs> and uh, the Holy Spirit's like, look at the instructions, Lindsay. And I'm like, I don't want to look at the instructions. I feel like my kid. So I'm looking at the instructions, and it prints out this paper, and it says, place this paper on the scanner. And I'm like, oh, I just need a print. I don't need to scan nothing. I just need a print. Why can't I just print? Don't, let somebody else worry about the scanner. Nobody scans stuff except for mom, and she's, she's not here right. She's doing other stuff. Just print, printer. So I put this sheet of paper with all these squiggly lines. Woo! All these, all these little things that don't make sense to the natural eye. And I put it on the, I, listen, out of my madness, I put it, I just slapped it on there and put it, and image is, image, image is slightly tilted. Please straighten four. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> printer, don't you get petty with me. <laughs> I can get petty back, buddy. <laughs> I unplug you, and then we'll see who's talking. You know. <laughs> so I put it. I put it. I put the image right. And here I. I'm like, you happy? I did say that. I'm like, you happy? And I place it, and do And you know, you hear all these noises making, all all these different things happening. All of a sudden, in about a matter of two minutes, printer is printer is configured to original status. And I was like, ooh. Lord, I see what you did. See, on the natural, this doesn't, the, the, this doesn't look like anything. It looks like the, the toner lost all the ink. It looks like the printer decided to, that it was 5 o'clock and decided to quit and give up on printing whatever I needed it to print. But within it, the printer printed this page because the printer knew that within it, it knows how to configure itself. In you, if you are in Christ... Deep somewhere where you don't even know, deep in the subconscious, deep into the places where you have forgotten about, there is a spiritual DNA that the Lord has redeemed. And when he is living in you, when he is loving in you, he is reconfiguring, or like we read earlier, he is transfiguring. Ha ha, gotcha. He is transforming you back to your original status, back to your original state, back to the version to where you can love in all things, back to the version of where when people cuss you out and people do you dirty, it doesn't affect you and you're 
you're still able to be gentle and be kind in all things. Back to the original version of when the bills come, you don't lose your mind, you don't lose your cool, but you're able to say, oh Lord, I thank you that you have provided all things. I thank you and I trust you in my firm persuasion on who you are does not loosen, but it gets tighter. He is reconfiguring you back to the version that trusts him and believe him in all things. He is configuring you, watch this, to the version that was on the cross, Hebrews 12, 2, that can endure the most painful moments of your life. He is reconfiguring you, and guess what? On the surface, it doesn't look like much. On the surface, it may look like on Sunday mornings, it's only 10 people. On the surface, it may look like it's only you and nobody else. On the surface, it may look like you're talking to yourself in your car. You're the only one encouraging yourself. Nobody else cares about what you're going through. Nobody else is calling you. Nobody else is texting you. Nobody else is hitting you up. Nobody else is asking you to go out to eat. On the surface, it may look like you are by yourself. On the surface, it may look like all the bill collectors are calling and nobody else is checking on you. But deep down in the mechanisms that are going on right here, he is reconfiguring you to look like him. He is reconfiguring you to sound like him. He is reconfiguring you to endure all things that come about in your life. He is reconfiguring you. And guess what? If he is reconfiguring you to look like him, guess what? Nothing can come against him. If death could not hold him, what do you think can hold you? If death could not hold him, who do you think can hold you? If greater is he that is in you, then guess what? Nothing else in this world matters. You are being reconfigured. Reconfigured. Somebody say, I'm being reconfigured. Oh, baby. Bachelorette ain't got nothing on reconfiguring. But here's the thing. It, it don't look like what everybody else is saying. Everybody else will tell you just, just ball it up and throw it away. But God who makes all, he can take anything and everything and make good come about it. He can say, oh, hey, no, 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 no. The, the, you don't understand this, this line right here. It's going to straighten this area of your heart. You know, th this line up here, it's, it's going it's to help you get over the trauma of your past. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. This, 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 this experience right here, I'm using it. I'm using it to, to heal your heart. I'm using it to heal your mind. I'm using it to deliver you. I'm using it to, 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 to plant security and firm foundation in you. I'm reconfiguring you. And the fact that Paul chose the single life but still was able to say, hey, love is this, this, this. Why? Because he wasn't saying, listen, this is what you need to do. He was saying, no, this is who you need to become. And you become gentle. You become kind in all things. You become willing to endure all things, not by what you do, not by as many chapters as you want to read, not by praying 50 hours a day, but by beholding Jesus. We said it weeks ago, but by gazing upon him, by looking upon him and saying, okay, Lord, I'm looking at you. Reconfigure me. Because guess what? The printer, it beheld this piece of paper. It beheld the configurations. It scanned it, and as it was scanning it, everything, I literally heard, I heard all these different things start to shift and move. And if we, if we had spiritual ears and we could listen to the transformation process, you would hear different things shift and move in your heart. Like, a, like you know, like, like just like that printer just moving, like gears, different, different gears moving, different, different pulleys going all these different ways. Why? Because there's something that's taking place on the subconscious of your heart and mind. But Lindsay, what, what about the outward appearance? Well, he, the Bible says that he focuses on the inward, the, the, the inward heart. He focuses on this. The, why? Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. 
As a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks in his mind, so is he. Your outward appearance is based off of who you think you are. If you think you need makeup, then you'll put makeup on the outward appearance. If you think you need new shoes, then you'll go who you think you are right here. And that's why he's interested in renewing this. He's interested in renewing these thoughts. Because if, if he can renew your thoughts to, for you to see who he sees you as, everything else will line up. You'll become like what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, 11. We are no longer ignorant to the devices of Satan. We're no longer ignorant to the traps of the devil. We're no longer ignorant to the rumors. We're no longer ignorant. We no longer fall privy to, the, to, the, to the, our insecurities. We don't fall into the traps. We don't believe the rumors. We don't believe what our insecurities say. We don't believe. We don't believe. We don't believe them. Why? Because we're letting perfect love. And the reason he's known as perfect love, because you can't get no perfecter than Jesus. You can't get no more perfect than Jesus. If you could, then you could have went to the cross. As much as I love Kelsey, I'll do it, whatever I got to do for it. But guess what? All the strength I have, it, it's not enough for me to go to the cross and cleanse her of her sins. And vice versa. Doesn't mean that I love her less. Doesn't mean she loved me less. As much as I love my kids, I'd do anything. I'd jump in front of a car if I had to for them. But still, my love. Mm, my love is not enough to cleanse them of the power of sin and death. But Jesus, Jesus was. And not only did he cleanse us, not only did he absorb our sins, the Bible says that he accredited righteousness to us. Oh, it gets better. Makes me think of those 90 infomercials. You know, there, wait, there's more. Yes, there's more. Not only has he cleansed you, not only has he forgiven you, but now he lives in you showing you how to love showing you how to do what he did if you've ever if you've ever you know worked a job and you know the person training you the best trainers are the ones that show you how to do what they do not just show you by the book you know you know when i started the job i have you know i i consider the the lady i work for or sub for i consider her to be the the professional standard she's the standard why because you know i went to the training academy they they read me the book i followed all the book they showed me all the different protocols but when it came time to her she said i remember her first phrase was you remember what they showed you in the academy i was like yeah she's like none of that applies she's like i'm gonna show you how to really do this job and she did she showed me not, she didn't, you know, reserve a certain portion for her and kept, you know, like, now nah, do this, but this, I, I do it this way. But you, I want, no, hey, I want you to mirror me. She said, if you can mirror me, you'll do this job and you'll last. And it hit me the other day, somebody asked, how long have you been working here? I'm like, oh, snap. It's almost a year and a half. And I thought about what she said. If you can mirror me, if you can mirror me, you'll last. If you can mirror Jesus, you will not only last, but you will outlast. You will outlive. The worst moments in your life, church. The worst moments in your life. And as long as you're alive on this earth, guess what? Moment, you know, you know trials and tribulations, they come. They will continue to come. They will continue to come. Unideal situations, unideal scenarios will come. That's the part of living in a fallen world. Yet, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Well, Lindsay, I don't physically see him. You don't physically see him. You need to open your eyes because if you look at me, you see him. 
If I look at you, then I see him. That's, that's one of the things he meant. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Why? Because, I, oh, I'm, I'm making my home in you. I'm, I'm coming to live in you. I got my suitcase ready. I'm going to open, open the door of your heart. We're going we're gonna to get comfy. I'm going to place my good recliner. We're going to sit in there. We're going to live. We're going to dwell. Not just Jesus, but the Father, Son, and Spirit. We're going to dwell within you, showing you how to love when, when people have forsaken you. Mm. Showing you how to love when people mistreat you. I'm going to go back over that again. What, what was it? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Showing you how to, how to love when, when, and be patient in difficult times. I'm going to be in you showing you how to be gentle and consistently kind to all. Jesus is going to live in you and show you how to refuse to be jealous when blessings come to other people. Show you how not to brag about your own achievements. Show you how not to how to exaggerate the truth. I'm going to be in you, dwelling in you, showing you not how to showing you how to not traffic in shame and disrespect and showing you how to not selfishly seek your own gain, showing you how to be joyful and honest at all times, showing you how to be a safe place of shelter for people that you are for and people that are not for you. Oh, it's easy for us to open up our homes, open up, open up our time to people that are for us. But what about the ones that aren't? What about the ones that you don't get along with? Jesus said, I'm going to be in you, showing you how to love them. Showing you how to never give up. That's my favorite. Lord, show me how to never give up. Lord, show me how to never give up. Because there are times where, man, I just want to throw in the towel. There are times. And if we're totally honest, there, that, that is the testimony of every person in this room and every person on this earth. There are times where we want to throw in the towel. And unfortunately, there have been times where people on this earth have thrown in the towel. If only they knew that there was the Father, Son, and Spirit wanting and willing to show them how to not give up. Paul said that perfect love does not give up. Perfect love does not give up. Not, not the love that you bring, but his love for you. One translation says that this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us first. At any time I see that translation, I think of the song we used to sing as a kid. He loved me first. We tried to sing it to Dre the other night. She, she wouldn't have it. She likes her version of music. Jen's ear. But this is love. What love truly looks like. Not, not, the, super, not the superficial, not the reality TV not the most trendiest, cutest looking trends that we see today. But what we should be celebrating, not just on Tuesday, not just on Valentine's Day, but every day, is the fact that this is love. Love resembles not just a rose, but it, it resembles a crown of thorns. We used to sing the song in the 90s, but love, you know, love is, perfect love is, it resembles a, a rose that has been trampled upon trampled upon it resembles a crown of thorns it resembles a crown of thorns it resembles blood being shed for you and me I challenge you family I challenge you to live in remembrance of the love that resembles a crown of thorns 
when you tell somebody you love them, ask yourself in your heart, okay, like if I'm, I'm just using myself for example, if I tell Dre I love her, then I'm going to ask myself in my heart, do, do I, am I, if I love her, am I willing to suffer well with her? And if the answer is no, then I don't really love her according to God. God's version of love is agape. We talked about it a few weeks ago, but agape. Somebody say agape. And agape is, is it's long-suffering and it's self-sacrifice, even if you do not benefit. So therefore, if I say, Dre, I love you, then I got to ask myself, am I willing to make sure she benefits even if I don't get anything in return? And watch this. If the answer is, ah, then that's the gray area that needs to be fixed. If you tell somebody I love you and and in the in the back of your mind or in the or in the space in your heart, you know that, well, you know, if they do me dirty, then you know, we done. I'm, I'm gonna wash my hands. Then you don't fully love them. And it's gotta be resolved. But guess what? There's news, church, good news, there's hope. You don't have to do the work to resolve it. You just have to say, okay, Lord, I see this is an issue. Reconfigure it. Ooh. Reconfigure it. And it's going to tell you, okay, I need you to be like that piece of paper and, let, and scan. Scan me. Behold me. Gaze upon me. And as you're looking upon me, as you're looking at the one the song says, when I lock eyes on you, I feel your affection. See, the affection of the Lord, it is louder, louder than the applause of man. It's, the loud, it's louder than, the, than a thousand arenas full of the applause of people. The affection of the Lord. The embrace of the Father, Son, and Spirit is tighter than any hug from any parent that you've ever received or any mentor in your life. The affection of God. Lindsay, how do I gaze upon the Lord? How do I behold upon the Lord? You shut everything down. You put that phone down. Turn the TV off. And you get in a quiet spot. Even if it's in your car or even if it's in the coat closet. Well, Lindsay, I don't have time. Well, guess what? You have, you have five minutes. You have, you have enough time to watch a TikTok or enough time to watch half of a Netflix show. You got time to behold Jesus. And I'm saying this to myself. But literally, you just, you just shut everything down and you say, okay, Lord. Show me. Lord, show me who you are. If you don't know anything else to say, you just say, Lord, show me who you are. And he's going to show you who he is. He's also going to show you who you are. And that swirl, that, you may not feel it, but it is taking place. That swirl of transformation, that swirl of reconfiguring. And in the natural realm, we can't hear it, but just like that printer in the spiritual world, you're going to hear, you can hear those, those gears shifting. And that trauma erasing, that drama leaving your life, the pettiness, the desire to be in petty, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go somewhere else. And one day you're going to look up and you're going to, something's going to happen and your response is going to be, oh, okay. And you're going to keep on going. Why? Because there's, there's been something that's taking place in you. Why? Because perfect love is in the driver's seat. And just like a pothole, it is swerving around and keep on continuing to go in a pro progressive direction. Hey, man.
suffer well. Love is suffering well, long-suffering. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love does not boast. Love does not be arrogant. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love does, uh, does not celebrate the demise of others. Better yet, love believes all things and it never, never gives up. And Jesus wants to do this through you. He wants to do this through you. And this is a challenge for everybody, whether you're married or whether you're almost married, whether you're just friends, whether this is whether you tell your best friend that you love them, whether you tell your children you love them. This is what God wants to do in you. He wants he in you. He wants to be patient to your children in me. He wants to be patient to my, to my kids in you. He wants to be kind to everybody, even the co-workers that aren't kind to you. And it's, it's not a one and done. It's not a, okay, tomorrow, he's done it, reconfigure and done. We read, it, we read it two weeks ago, but the transformation that God does, it's a lifelong process. You know, and I promise I'm closing, but, you know, when the sink, when the sink gets busted and you got to call a repairman or something, you know, if the repairman tells you, the plumber says, okay, well, uh, this is going to be a lifelong process, so I'll just come every Monday at 3 o'clock. You know, uh-uh. No, 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 we need this fits. You're going you're gonna to get on Google real quick or you're going to get on Facebook, you know, asking for a friend. I need plumber suggestions. Why? Because we live in a world where we've done it. We want it done right now. We want it fits right now. But in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, it's the upside down kingdom when it's compared to earth, when it's compared to our society. And in God's mind, it's, it's a lifelong process. Not because he enjoys, you know, tinkering and all that. No, no, no. It's a lifelong process. Why? Because it's a journey. Walking with God. Walking in God. It's a journey. It's never the destination. The destination ultimately is eternity with him. But while we're on this side of heaven, it's walking with him. It's walking with him. It's walking with him. And all you have to do is take the first step. He's literally like, 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 like a driver in a car. He's literally driving you. The Holy Spirit is engineering all that needs to be ridded out of you. All the pettiness, all the rudeness, all the insecurities, all the selfishness. He's doing all of it. Amen. I pray that from now on that when you hear the word love, you think suffer well. Okay, I'm going to suffer well. Some of y'all may need to go home to your, to your husband, to your wife, or be like, honey, I'm going to suffer well with you. Make sure you explain it to them, though. Otherwise, they're going to be like, what? You, you, I don't make you suffer, you know. And Kelsey, I'll probably get offended, too. Kelsey's like, baby, I'm going to suffer well with you. Who you suffering with? You know, I, I know I ain't the creme de la crop, but, you know, I, def, you know, I definitely ain't the low shelf guy, you know. <laughs> I'm about mid-tier. You know, I do my best. <laughs> Get, got my hair cut. I'm, I'm moving to the top tier when it grows out. I go back down a little bit, but you know, you ain't, you ain't suffering, okay? <laughs> but your best friend or your parent or whoever, whenever you use that word love, that's, that's what God sees it as. Okay, you're suffering well with them. You're willing to suffer well with them. You're willing to endure all things. You're willing to be kind in all things. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for today. Ah, Jesus, man.